Hello, and welcome to Series 2 of Nervous Nelly's Rewind, the podcast of the show about nervous energy and music. You're listening on Sin with Bailey. If you didn't catch the last series, this is a compilation podcast of noteworthy segments of the radio show Nervous Nellies. Series 2 will be covering the October to December 2021 season, and in this first part we'll be compiling episodes 1 and 2. In my opinion, I actually had more to say this season than in the April to July run, so there'll be more segments podcasted per episode. Episode 1 features the Nervous Nell of the Week artist spotlight and introduces the new Nervous Network segment. Episode 2 has both of these and also reintroduces the Access Spotlight segment, meaning aside from the intro and outro, the original episode is almost entirely podcasted, and you can expect similar from future parts. One last thing before we start is that these segments are all in reference to a song or songs that originally played before or after them on the air. For copyright reasons, we can't include them in the podcast, but if you go to the show page on the Sin website, if you're not there already, you'll see that there's an article for this podcast part that includes a playlist with the songs that are referenced. And as a bonus, there's a small further listening playlist of songs that didn't necessarily air or get referenced in the original episode, but give further context to the segment discussions. So check out the article, check out the playlists, and without further ado, here's the episodes. Episode 1 You just heard Sarcasm Part 1 by Squarepusher, and you're listening to Noah Snelly's On Sin with Bailey. Now, being the first artist played on the episode makes Square Pusher our Nervous Nelly of the Week. That hasn't changed since last season. He's a British electronic artist, real name Tom Jenkinson, who in the late 90s specialised in drum and bass, but with more of a jazz influence than most. This is off the 1995 EP Alroy Road Tracks, which was originally released under the name of Duke of Haringey, because every electronic artist back then started with, like, Five different aliases until one stuck. In this track, you can hear the Armin break drum sample being chopped and screwed to give the pace an extremely rapid beat. Apparently, music that goes super hard on the choppy Armin break can be called drill and bass, but I'm not sure how widely that term is used. But the main thing is that the bass guitar is still being recorded live. His second studio album, 1997's Hard Normal Daddy, would follow suit by recording live drums resulting in tracks like Cooper's World, which could be performed with a backing band. And there's a great live recording of that on his YouTube channel that I'd recommend. Sometimes his electronic music is more literally drum and bass, but without being a gimmick, since his alternating styles shown to be quite good at both electronic composition and live performance. There's another track from 1995, which I might air on the show sometime, called Eviscerate Version, which I think uses chopped and screwed samples of self-recorded drums instead of just using the Amen break. Which is interesting, because to me the appeal of the Amen break is the ability to use sample splicing with a widely accessible audio source to create complex beats without investing in a drum machine or being a percussionist. <laughs> 
And what I guess makes Square Pusher a nervous artist is his ability to flip that use case on its head by being a talented multi-instrumentalist while still using drill and bass production techniques. He doesn't need to use sample splicing to make high-energy music, so by pairing it with live instrumentals, he shows it's a worthwhile compositional style that you can choose to utilize and not just out of necessity. Choppy drum and bass more or less died out in the 2000s because the standardization of digital production meant most music was being made by cutting and pacing tracks, meaning it was less novel to sample breakbeats. A pessimistic way of looking at that is to say the genre was insignificant beyond being a stepping stone towards digital standardization. But alternatively, you could say that artists like Squarepusher showcase its merits by juxtaposing it with live instrumentals. Because the other thing about this song is that the tempo itself isn't actually all that fast. When the breakbeats stop, you get to really hear the chords spring out and it sounds kind of jazzy. It's the sample splicing that makes the pace extremely rapid at random points, which demonstrates the uncanniness that that technique alone is bringing to the music. It's not the instrumentals doing that. And in my opinion, that's what the best digital productions bring to the table even today. Anyway, up next is Puncture in the Radax Permutation by Stereolab. You just heard Alien in a Garbage Dump by Eric Copeland, and you're listening to Nervous Nellies on Sin with Bailey. Last season, I said I'd spare listeners the heavier sound collages by Copeland and sticked to airing the more beat-based electronica he made in the 2010s. But on re-listening to it, after including this song in the Nervous Nellies Rewind further listening playlists, the last two minutes of it struck me. It's a weird moment where after five and a half minutes of overlapping vocal samples and several dozen other chaotic noises, the fog lifts to reveal this unusually melodic synth over a waltz beat. I don't know much about the production of this album, besides it being an exercise in sample dumpster diving. Other songs on it definitely have original vocals and maybe instrumentals, so I'm guessing this synth melody is original, partly also because it's way more seamless than anything else on the track. It's also a very simple instrumental melody to include. It's just a single line that repeats once or twice before the song ends, while the waltz beat, which I assume is sampled, only lasts a few seconds. I probably wouldn't think much of it if it wasn't part of a sound collage. On its own, it would probably just be an instrumental demo. I guess this is an instance of Copeland taking advantage of his album premise to create a codependency between it and his instrumental micro-composition. The ending makes the garbage noise more bearable, and the garbage noise makes the ending more profound. Anyway, that's this week's instance of what I'm going to be calling the Nervous Network. This will be replacing the Nervous Tick of the Week segment from last season, but has a similar premise. With Nervous Tick of the Week, I aired a song and highlighted a production technique it used that I felt gave it nervous energy. But after 12 episodes, I was running out of techniques to discuss each week, to the point that I was spotlighting things like playing audio backwards. To not force myself into making up new techniques, I'll still be dissecting individual songs, which was the point of the original segment anyway, but without worrying about whether the techniques I highlight as nervous overlap. Instead, it's all part of the nervous network. 
Anyway, up next is The Bee Colony by Broadcast and The Focus Group. Episode 2 You just heard Hand of Winter by Sound of Series, and you're listening to Nervous Nellies on Sin with Bailey. Now, being the first artist aired on the episode comes with the honorary title of Nervous Nelly of the Week. Last season I played several songs from this band's previous incarnation, called Candy Claws. The core of both bands is the husband and wife duo Ryan and Karen Hover, with varying collaborators and musical styles. I guess the reason I hesitated to air music from their new band, aside from not having listened to it as much yet, was that I found it harder to classify as nervous. Candy Claws was easy. Most of their output was highly compressed and distorted noise pop, and the vocals were almost always at a near whisper. Whereas with Sound of Series, the whisper vocals carry over, but their music is more high-fidelity synth pop, and with more acoustic instrumentation from collaborators. But after buying the new band's two albums and listening to their deep cuts, I think I understand them a bit better. For example, this version of the track is from a 2014 Christmas compilation by Act So Big Forest, one of the first time the Hovers went by this new band name. In 2016, the song was included in the album Nostalgia for Infinity with a redeveloped synth line and additional instrumentation, including brass. So I'm not here to say that that kind of synth pop is nervous. But elsewhere in their discography, the nervous energy of Candy Claws' noisy production carries over as aloof, refracting synth lines, like in this simpler version of Hand of Winter. In fact, their latest album, The Twin, effectively had an inverse development process to Nostalgia for Infinity, where on arriving at the studio with fleshed-out demo tracks, most of the live instrumentation was stripped out. From what I've read, reviews were a bit mixed on this direction, but I really liked it, and feel like it helped them achieve the theme of isolation, present on a lot of their albums. One of the most reoccurrent traits of the Hover's songwriting process is that they almost always base their releases on a pre-existing text. Even when their inspiration is fairly benign, it usually gets twisted in some way to be a bit more alienating. Nostalgia for Infinity is marketed as a cross between the song The Girl from Ipanema and the book In Search of Lost Time, where the romantic exotica is replaced with existential dread from encountering an anti-prism, of all things. So in The Twin, an album based on Thomas Mann's book The Magic Mountain, jettisons the high-fidelity live instrumentation for cold, repeating synth patterns. To me, that perfectly represents the feeling of leaving your home to take residence in the distant mountains, which is apparently what the novel is about. It evokes being all alone, sending messages out to space, hearing nothing, and continuing anyway. That's what I'd call nervous about them in this incarnation, and I'm looking forward to whatever they get up to in the future. Anyway, up next is Smaller Rivers, followed by So Shy, both by Sam Prekop. I'll also flag ahead of time that the next segment will be about the transition between these two songs, so listen out for the echoey bit after the repeated guitar melody in Smaller Rivers. You just heard Smaller Rivers and So Shy by Sam Prekop, and you're listening to Nervous Nellies on Sin with Bailey. 
For context, these are the final two tracks on Prokop's self-titled debut solo album from 1999. Since the early 90s though, he was best known for fronting the indie rock band The Sea and Cake. Most of the songs are analogue performances, like So Shy, aside from the track Faces and People, which is a digital drum loop with guitar and cornets overlaid. But the most notable exception to me is that first 30 seconds of the album Closer. The guitar flangs several micro-melodies that echo across both audio channels, each lick sounding like it could be the starting riff to a completely different song. Then the real riff seems to initially be backmasked, sneaking in while the echoes play themselves out, and then the song starts proper with the drums fading in, which is common, but of course, another studio manipulation. The whole thing sounds like the kind of feedback you can sometimes hear in songs when the noise from the guitar being picked up and adjusted is left in the recording, or when a reverb effect gets left on during studio chatter. But this time it's pieced together a lot more deliberately, and in stark contrast to everything else on the album, especially when it comes after a solo guitar melody being repeated for almost three minutes. Again, this isn't the only time studio manipulation creeps into the album, but the other instance being Faces and People still fits in by being a repetitive composition, which we just heard in Small Rivers, which itself takes its guitar melody from the intro to Don't Bother from earlier in the album, where it plays only once. So Smaller Rivers is basically the analog counterpart to loop-based composition anyway. I guess what I'm getting at is that the intro to So Shy is an instance of nervous energy and part of my overarching nervous network segment, because the album sets up an internal logic and then breaks it only once, just for 30 seconds. The whole thing almost ends up sounding like a glitch production by combining echoes of multiple tracks at different speeds and overlapping them, plus loops and backmasking. And lastly, composition-wise, it contrasts everything else so profoundly, which is why I made sure to air smaller rivers before it. Anyway, up next is Phantom Melodies by Cabin of Antimatter. You just heard Here Today by Mice Parade, and you're listening to Nervous Nellies on Sin with Bailey. Last week, this segment was occupied by the Drone Zone, but just to reiterate, that is a occasional segment, and more frequently, this part of the hour will be dedicated to my Access Spotlight. Sometimes releases are online only, sometimes they've been long out of print and have had a recent digital re-release, and sometimes they're physical only, but still available through some savvy online shopping. Whatever the case, this segment is for me to play music with those kinds of novel release histories, and my spiel may also help you get your own hands on it. This week's Access Spotlight is a track off the Japan-only album Milano by Nobukazu Takemura. Last season, I had ordered this and Takemura's debut off an online resale market. It's a very minimalist album, mostly of synthesized versions of real instruments, with compositions that are repetitive, slow-paced, and at most lasting nearly 20 minutes. At the time of its release in the late 90s, he had several albums distributed internationally, and most of the ones put out through Thrill Jockey are still in print to this day. But Milano in particular is a soundtrack album commissioned for a fashion show in Italy. It even has a companion album titled Finale, which I'm still intending to get a copy of. 
But I guess my point is, because of its niche background, it was only distributed in Japan, and to my understanding, has never been put up for online sale or streaming, at least in Australia. Which is a shame, because its purpose as a soundtrack album makes its style of minimalism quite different to his albums that made it to the West at around the same time. So I got a copy, and to spread the love, here's the album closer Passeggiata della Pension Sulaga alla Cascata, which translates to something like Walk from the Guest House on the Lake to the Waterfall. <laughs> 